0: The first is I'm a bit of a finance nerd at work, so I have my endless plethora of spreadsheets where I can very quickly stream properties. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you wanna live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
1: Hey, Right Club Nation.
2: It's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, do you ask? Well,
1: it's the Right Club Online Community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes are there, hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing training and education, and so much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at the rightclub.com. Now, let's get to the podcast. Right Club Nation, welcome back to the Right Club podcast. I'm Sarah Larby and I'm joined by François Lantier. How are you doing, François?
2: Good, good. I'm doing like you, multitasking and you never know how things go. So this interview is going to be quite interesting. It's a busy guy and Sarah, anyway, we should get to it very shortly, but... It's interesting when you do a lot of things at once, what happens?
1: Absolutely. So Eddie is a real estate investor, a realtor out in Calgary, has uh, invested in different types of properties and is a realtor helping other investors in the Calgary market. So we talk a lot about the ups and downs of Calgary, uh, the pros and cons of investing in Calgary and some of things to look out for. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review
2: welcome eddie so we're really excited to have you on our podcast uh, we'd love to find out a thirty thousand foot view of you as an investor and a realtor as well if you could give us uh, your background and
0: yeah absolutely so uh, i am a real estate investor i do have my real estate license i've been um doing this uh, investing in real estate since 2015 i've had my license since 2016 um i've always had a very keen interest in real estate um Uh, in my career before this one, and that I still hold now, um, I actually went to military school. And I remember in my final year looking on MLS, all of these properties of where I wanted to live and what have you. Um, So uh, it it goes way back, um, but I'm I'm finally, um, you know, become a part-time investor, you know, five, six years ago, and uh, I've loved every second of it.
1: Amazing, awesome. So now you are located In Canada's west coast of uh, Calgary, Alberta. And uh, have you always invested in this area or have you invested in other areas as well?
0: So most of my investments are in Calgary. That's where I tend to focus. That's where I live and work and I know the area best. But I do also, my wife and I um, do also own a fourplex in Prince George. Um, We bought that uh, about five years ago. We're refinancing it, um, you know, in short order. And we, we chose PG on the advice of a friend um, and after we did some due diligence um, uh, just based on um, the financial metrics, cash on cash um, and uh, what juice we can get for the squeeze.
1: Okay, awesome, awesome. So obviously, we have a lot of Ontario investors and, uh, you know, some people from BC as well. And, and we've had, I think, a couple people, people from Edmonton, but um, maybe talk to us about the Calgary market, you know, what you've been seeing, uh, you know, in 2021, and where you think it is uh, headed towards.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the Alberta market and the Calgary market, um, specifically, is going through an interesting time period. So obviously, since, uh, you know, the start of 2021, uh, a lot of real estate markets across Canada have seen uh, very significant um, price appreciations, um, most notably, you know, in Ontario and Quebec, you're certainly not immune to it, particularly the GTA, but also on the East Coast, um, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick have really taken off. And while the overall Canadian market has increased substantially, um, here in Alberta, we're uh, lagging behind the national average a little bit. Um, so, for example, in Alberta and Saskatchewan, Korea just released some stats that uh, the uh, the average increase in price from last summer to this summer is about 7 to 8% um, compared to, you know, in Ontario and Quebec is about 16 to 18%. So, um, this is a fairly hot market for us, um, which is a welcome change of pace since 2014 um, when the oil price crashed and Um, we actually saw some um, price declines and decreases in the market. Uh, So overall, um, the the Calgary market has been doing relatively well, um, led by the detached sector. The benchmark price for a detached home, and this may shock some of uh, your Ontario and Vancouver listeners uh, and viewers, is about $538,000 in the city. Um, So detached um, has been doing the best Um, whereas you know our condo market is uh, fairly lagging due to higher supply so um, we are seeing some uh, we have done fairly well um, uh, compared to previous years Um, the market has plateaued a little bit just due to seasonality but uh, overall I'm quite bullish on the direction of Calgary real estate.
2: One thing I find shocking about Alberta is the average salary is quite high versus living expenses and cost of life so I find that's a huge missed opportunity. We've been talking to other investors. People are being digital nomads and taxes as well in Alberta. I think it's like a flat rate, the provincial um, taxation on income tax. So is that something you can speak about or?
0: No, absolutely. Uh, So we had a flat income tax for for on the personal side for the longest time. However, uh, that changed in about 2015, 2016. Uh, with the uh, somewhat novel NDP government uh, that we had for four years, Um, but your overall thesis is correct, is the fact that Calgary is a very affordable market. Uh, RBC publishes a housing trends and affordability report um, that compares uh, the average income and the benchmark price for a house and calculates an affordability metric. Um, So for example, Calgary's right now is 31.7 in terms of you know, the share of an income of a, of a typical household, what they would need to pay for housing. So, you know, 31, 32% for Calgary. Um, that's almost double wrong. Uh, Vancouver is almost double what it is in Calgary. Um, so you're looking at 63, 64 um, in Vancouver. These are just absolutely crazy numbers to um, somebody who lives and works in Calgary. Um, all right. We have, You know, the oil and gas industry is really starting to come back Um, that pays very high um, wages, um, not just in Fort McMurray, but for skilled labor, um, like engineers, geologists, um, business types accountants. Um, So overall, uh, Calgary has, you know, very high wages. It has a very high quality of life. Uh, Being so close to the Rocky Mountains, we're about an hour away Um, and our housing is really affordable. So Uh, there's a lot to like about this market in Alberta in general.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there's pros and cons to every single market, right? I mean, you know, Calgary or Alberta or or what, you know, or whatnot. I think that, your landlord and and tenant uh, laws are much more favorable. But I also think that, you know, like there's going to be more ups and downs for somebody investing in Calgary based on the history. And so what are some of the things, you know, as an investor that they could do to potentially mitigate all of the additional, in my opinion, the cycles? Like you guys have, have, uh, a lot more ups and downs as as uh, maybe somebody in southern Ontario might have. What are some of the things that inv- an investor could do, knowing that before buying?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good question. So you are right. We we do tend to have a more cyclical economy, not just in terms of oil prices, but that also has cascading effects um, in provincial resource revenues, um, outlays by the provincial government, public sector investment, um, and that will also uh, affect um, the real estate market. So uh, there is that issue, one, knowing that it is a fairly cyclical market. Um, Two, um, is the fact that you have to be aware that there is a real estate cycle. And I publish a quarterly newsletter where I track the metrics like um, employment, housing, starts, oil price, uh, to determine uh, approximately where Calgary is in that real estate um, cycle. And most importantly, what it is that you do um, uh, based on where you're at and where, where the real estate my, uh, market is at, where the cycle is at, um, and making informed decisions about um, the, your, your tactics and your plan. So if you're in a slump, that's probably the time to uh, buy some um, lower priced assets, whereas if we're in a boom or at the tail end of a boom, that's probably when you should be uh, divesting your non-core assets. Um, however, in terms of uh, some of the more tactical decisions, um, there are some property styles that really uh, never go out of style, and uh, they'll provide you with a a buffer or um, will de risk uh, your purchase so um, the one that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, which will uh, which has become in vogue in the city and should be going forward is the use of secondary suites so Um, Not only having a a main suite, um, typically on the main floor, but um, uh, a basement suite, which your um, listeners uh, should be very familiar with. Um, So the advantages of a secondary suite are many, but really what it does is it um, de-risks your revenue streams. So that if you have a vacancy in one unit, um, obviously uh, provided that the basement or the other unit is uh, occupied, um, it provides a, a buffer to your revenues. And if you legalize um, the basement suite, and that's another issue um, that is, uh, uh, that has been um, seriously discussed over the last few years, and that's an ongoing process uh, that provides some value as well. Um, So there are several ways to de-risk it. Secondary suites is one, um, knowing where the real estate market and cycle is at. Um, is another, and there are another few tricks that you can
2: employ. That's great. I'm currently looking at Calgary myself, so it's uh, great to hear this information. I've also heard about secondary or garage suites, so that's something a bit different. I guess you can put a suite on top of the garage. Can you end up with three suites that way, like the principal house, the basement, and something on top of a garage?
0: Not legally right now. Okay. However, <laughs> however, there are discussions. Um, about doing that very thing. It's not currently in the land use bylaw, Um, but frankly, if I could tell a very short war story here, uh, one of my latest acquisitions, um, we closed on it uh, a little over a year ago, um, is a single detached house um, in a neighborhood called Seton. Um, And the important thing to know about Seton um, is several things. One, it is close to a large uh, major employer, uh, that being the South Health Campus, uh, the major hospital in the South. Um, two, Seton's the terminus of the future green line, and three, it has favorable land use and zoning. And the, the uh, house that we purchased, and it's going quite well for us, is uh, we bought it on a pilot such that we can um, develop uh, it uh, a garage suite in the back. We have designs. I may modify it a little bit. Um, but we'll be ready if the land use bylaw ever changes to put in a, uh, a suite in the basement to make it a triplex.
2: So it's one or the other, but that's, that's also nice having the garage suite because it's the privacy. Oftentimes the garage is completely separate from the house. So is that something you're, that's how you're building it or?
0: Absolutely, okay. yes. Uh, it'll be about an 800 square foot um, two bedroom suite on top of a triple garage.
1: You don't know, at some point Bill one oh eight, which is what we have in Ontario that allows us to do three, might come to Calgary.
0: I, I hope so. I am hoping and praying for that.
1: So all right. So you've got you've got some, you know Interesting plays in Calgary. When I look at and I'm just going to compare because I don't know Calgary, you know, obviously like you, but I'm going to compare it to, to the GTA, right? So sometimes you buy uh, in a city in the GTA like Burlington for appreciation. Uh, sometimes you buy in Windsor for cash flow or Welland, you know, for, for cash flow, probably a little bit of both. What's the play in Calgary? Is it cash flow? Is it appreciation? Is it long-term buy and hold for mortgage paydown? Uh, why are, you know, what, what would be the main play for an investor?
0: There are several ways that you could approach the Calgary market right now. So we have, um, some decent cash flowing opportunities, uh, in secondary suites, like I've already mentioned, um, in terms of there, there are always opportunities local to whatever market. Uh, I follow Edmonton quite well, and they have a fairly robust plan to expand their LRT system. And we have a fairly significant project um, that has been recently been approved and funded. Um, So in terms of uh, called the Green Line. So in terms of opportunities, um, we are a large city. We have cash flowing opportunities, but um, the Green Line presents a a compelling case, not only for cash flow, if you uh, pick the right neighborhood along it. Um, but also some significant uh, opportunities for capital gains not just in uh, the the home value itself but also for potential redevelopment as well so we're not our market isn't as big as the gta uh, obviously Um, you're several times um, larger than us Um, but we are a major city and there are opportunities here for most types of investors
2: excellent and what is a bit of a change of gears but what is the most important thing a first-time investor should know before investing, like some top tips that you have?
0: I have several um, that I could, uh, that I could explain. Um, The first is uh, to be perfectly honest, like my day job is I'm a development engineer and a financial analyst for a large oil and gas company in Calgary. And um, when I was getting out of the military, the first, uh, one of the first things that the senior engineer told me and uh, related to, uh, you can relate this to real estate investment as well. As he said, Eddie, you need to know your scope. You need to know what it is that you're building and you need to know what it is that you're doing. So sometimes you have to ask very embarrassing questions um, to make sure that you understand all of what it is that you're buying, what the risks are, what the financials are. So um, if I was approaching uh, a first time real estate investment, you have to ask all of those questions um, of, um, why are you buying this? Um, what are the, what are all of the costs associated with it? HOA, uh, homeowners association, property taxes, who pays those? Um, when it comes to tenancies, um, what are your land? What are your rights as a landlord? What are the tenants rights? And there's honestly, I, I don't think there's any substitution um, for knowing the rules and reading the legislation and um, reading the regulations behind it. Uh, I don't think that's something that you can outsource. So it may be a bit, painful um, or tedious or may not be something that you precisely want to do um, but it is something that I think you absolutely have to to avoid uh, uh, risks down the road um, The second thing that uh, I would say is um, after you've made your first purchase and you're still somewhat of a nascent real estate investor um, I, I would advise people to um, if you're going to continue with this and expand your portfolio is I would advise you to, Professionalize your internal processes and professionalize your approach uh, as soon as you can, uh, given your constraints. So, uh, if I may, if you bear with me, um, I read this excellent book uh, by this guy named Richard Rumelt, who's a management consultant. And he defined uh, strategy uh, in his book called Good Strategy and Bad Strategy. And what I find a lot of people do is they don't have a very good strategy, they don't think about Um, uh, some of the more esoteric and long-term implications of what it is that they're doing. Um, So uh, what I would advise people to do is um, do your due diligence, not just on your neighbourhoods, but um, what is it that you're actually doing or uh, why are you being a long-term buy and hold investor? Why, uh, or um, do you have the skills to do a burr or a flip? Um, Do you you rent out to VRBO-type clients, like short-term rentals or long-term rentals? Um, What are your internal internal skill sets that you can actually apply? Um, Are you a tradesman or a tradesperson? Um, Can you apply that to your real estate um, journey? Um, So I I find it uh, beneficial to list out your assumptions, list out um, what market forces you're actually trying to benefit from building an LRT, um, rejuvenation or re, um, redevelopment of a neighborhood, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it just formalizing those internal processes of how you acquire um, tenants, how you manage them. Um, as if you can um, make procedures, simple procedures, and professionalize yourself, I think it'll do you a lot of credit and save you a lot of st- uh, stress in the long term. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
1: Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, you know, making this a a business is, uh, is going to help people scale. What are some of the things that you've done, you know, yourself as a real estate investor, uh, some processes that you put into place that really worked well for you to be able to scale?
0: Uh, Several. Um, The first is I'm a bit of a finance nerd at work, so I have my endless plethora of spreadsheets where I can very quickly uh, screen properties based on their purchase price, um, what I determine the rent to be, and all of those financial characteristics, so I'm not wasting my time doing in-depth investigations um, on properties that should um, pass the um, the first screening. Um, so that one is fairly simple that I think most of your readers should be familiar with. Um, the second thing that I have done is just rote organization. Uh, I think it's very important to keep proper documentation, not only in email form, uh, but electronically in paper. Um, and I find that it uh, very much uh, de-stresses uh, the process. Um, the more organized you are, the clearer thinking that you could be. Uh, The third thing um, is just creating a plan and a procedure for uh, tenant acquisition, tenant onboarding, tenant management. So for example, three months before a lease is up, I send an email to the tenant um, asking whether they want to renew. Um, If I don't hear anything at two months, um, I follow up with them. um, And if they decide not to um, renew the lease, then... Um, we go through the procedures of um, listing it on rent faster. Um, everything is very much templated I um, it requires very little effort over time um, and also taking care of your tenants uh, you know every Christmas we buy them um, a Christmas basket you know with a handwritten note saying how much um, we appreciate um, them choosing us as their landlord um, and uh, as their housing provider um, And we find that, uh, tenant, uh, retention is a lot better and less costly than tenant acquisition. So, so that's really stuff an like interesting
1: that. point. Sorry. So I do want to talk to you about what you just said there, tenant retention and tenant acquisition. And I think that like our markets are so different because for Ontario, like for me, for example, and like, I, I, you know, I think this is so cool. Why like we have people from all the different provinces in Calgary, you want tenant retention. Uh, you're, um, you know, you're essentially looking for tenants and you probably want to like show why your unit is better than others. And there's probably a higher vacancy rate. Do you know off the top of your head, what it's at right now, your vacancy?
0: Oh, I'm guessing six, 7%, something like that. Perfect. Eight. Perfect.
1: Wow. So six to 8% vacancy. So you obviously want to look for tenants. And I will also say that your landlord tenant rules are much more in your favor. So if somebody doesn't pay, you can get them out a lot faster versus Ontario that you can't really kick out a tenant. There's no vacancy. There's like 0.9% vacancy rates. Um, And we are capped to rent control. Meaning if the tenant's in there, we can only raise it a certain amount and it's like one or 2% a year, which is like absolutely nothing. So we actually, it's funny how it's different because in Ontario, we don't want tenant retention. Many of us don't. Like I I do not want retention. I seriously would be happy if my tenants moved out every single year. That's totally cool. I will take the cost because if they move out, I can increase that. Uh, Literally like somebody that's been there in my unit for since 2014, 2015, they move out tomorrow and that was market rent. And obviously with the increases, you just can't do it too much. Um, I could get a $1,000 more per month if they leave. That's how how much the rent has increased year over year in Ontario in some markets. So I'm just curious, you know, your thoughts on that for, uh, for Calgary and, you know, what that looks like um, for you year over year. If your tenants stay, are you able to increase rents? You know, what are some of the things that you're able to do out there that maybe we can't?
0: Obviously our tenancy laws are much different in Alberta. We have much more flexibility as a landlord um, and that depends on if you're a fixed term lease or a periodic lease. Uh, so the, the regulations and the forces driving our decisions respectively in Alberta and Ontario are much different. Um, so uh, to put it simply um, in terms of what we're seeing in terms of rent increases, rents are increasing here. Um, I had a townhouse that I was renting out in 2014, 15, 16 um, for $1,800 a month, just in the outskirts of the city. Um, We had to drop that to 1550 um, because of the oil price crash and um, people moving out of the city, but now that the oil, uh, that um, given the market conditions over the last year, we've been able to increase that to 1650, 1700. So on several, on several properties we're still off peak. Um, several properties of mine were uh, above peak. Um, but like you said, the, the I can adjust my rents much more flexibly than you. So it is in my best interest to, um, not from a finance, uh, even from a, especially from a financial perspective, but also in terms of um, the, uh, the time needed to um, manage the property and it, it's highly advantageous to retain a very good tenant who takes care of your property. So uh, it's more in my interest to do that.
2: Yeah. And I, I invest in uh, not in Alberta yet, but in New Brunswick and I find where there's less tenant protection, like Ontario and Quebec, it's very intense on tenant protection. It's a much more transient population. People tend to house hop a lot more, move around quite a bit more. So As you said, retention is huge in those provinces. It's nice that you can get rid of bad tenants, but it's a double-edged sword as well. People have those options. While in Ontario with that 0.9%, you can't move. It's, yeah, it's just, (laughs) you're going to be homeless if you give your notice very quickly. So great information. Or you
1: move and your price is like like almost a a third or, you know, uh, yeah, 50% more as soon as you start looking somewhere else so (laughs) it's crazy the different markets but it is interesting i mean i think there's definitely some cool opportunities in calgary uh it sounds like and you know that i think for multi multi units or conversions or for uh you know duplexes or or whatnot but you know you've got to look at like you said there's potential reductions in rent if and if and when because i think it'll happen at some point again the markets go back down and people move out, and the oil and gas industry gets hit. You know, what are your what are your thoughts of like the five year out projection? I mean, obviously, you don't know with a crystal ball, but like, you know, I don't know if there's anything you've looked into that you can share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I am quite bullish on Calgary real estate going forward and the future of the city. Um, there are a lot of naysayers. Uh, in the rest of the country and among pundits about energy transition, net zero, et cetera, et cetera. And you can call me Homer because I work at an oil and gas company. Um, But uh, what I think people don't realize is how ingrained fossil fuels are to our daily life. It is not like switching off a light switch. Um, So I think there's a lot of longevity. Um, I read um, numerous energy pundits and analysts and investors, and they only see um, oil prices and energy prices going up over the next few years. Um, the primary reason behind that is there have been chronic underinvestment under um, in the oil and gas industry since 2014. So if you have rising demand and um, lowering of supply, then you see the price spikes and price increases that we've seen recently. So overall, I'm quite bullish.
2: Excellent. And then again, switching back to your realtor role. So what sets you apart from other Calgary realtors?
0: I would say several things. One, um, there are a lot of good realtors out there who are very good at sales and um, client interactions. Uh, But one of the reasons why I became uh, a realtor and I got my license is because I felt that there is a part of the market that was very much underserved in terms of uh, investment and having a, a very well-informed viewpoint on what the investment opportunities are here. Um, I, I couldn't um, find too many realtors in Calgary who um, research some of the economic fund- the economic fundamentals uh, guiding real estate values. Uh, what uh, I didn't find too many realtors that could talk about the direction of interest rates, what the investment opportunities were, what the major projects were, what um, the GDP outlook was, which I think investors really do need to look at. Um, I think it's, it's fundamental to um, the investment decision. So I got my license uh, to fulfill that need um, to uh, inform my own um, investment opinions. And that is what I bring to the table uh, above and beyond my peers.
1: Amazing. That's why they have to, you know, you have to set up your team, your team of people that are already investing. In my opinion, they're going to be able to give you a team of contractors, a team of other people, but also the knowledge and clearly a lot of the research that you've done to get to where you are today. So that is awesome, Eddie. So the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Francois and I will ask you a series of four questions. Everybody gets the first, the same four questions and you're going to answer with the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right. So here's question number one of the lightning round. What is the best advice, Eddie, that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: Uh, similar to what my, uh, what I told you about my engineer friend, you have to know your scope. You have to dig down into the details. You have to ask if there's a nagging question in the back of your head that you do not know the answer to, it'll come back and bite you. So uh, ask those embarrassing questions.
1: Amazing. Great answer.
2: Second question. What is your favorite real estate investing resource? Could be a book, a podcast, a club, something.
0: I really like Don Campbell's books. Uh, that's what I started off with. Real estate investing in Canada, a little book of real estate, et cetera, et cetera. I found his frame really useful.
1: Absolutely. And I will say that the the slumps and the cycles that we talked about and the ups and the downs, that is a great book. And Don Campbell, and that comes from Don Campbell. I, and uh, he, he explains the uh, Canadian real estate investing cycle. So Um, Thanks Eddie, those are great books. Number three, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful?
0: Uh, I tend to be an analyst by nature, I have a very analytical mind so that is what has um, given me a lot of success and if I had to say number two it's probably uh, being uh, very organized.
2: Yeah absolutely, you have to be, you have a family and everything going on in your life, you have to be very organized and the careers and real estate investor, realtor, and working full time. I don't know how you do it all, but next question, perfect segue. What do you typically do on a Sunday morning?
0: Uh, You're gonna laugh at me, you may not believe me, but due to my time in the military, I'm actually used to waking up really early. So I wake up between 4.30 and five, I try and do a workout. I catch up on whatever things I needed to get done during the week, whether that be real estate related, realtor related but Sunday's the, t- the day that I spend with my wife and three kids. So we're usually, I'm um, going to a park, playground, sporting event, something like that.
1: Awesome. Sounds great. Eddie, where can our right club nation reach out and find out more?
0: Yeah. Um, I tend to have a fairly lean social media profile. So I'm on Instagram at camps, realty, K A M P S realty. Um, that's probably the best place to, uh, get hold of me. Um, and, uh, see my work um, and all my publications. Um, If not, you can um, phone me at 403-603-0132 or email me at eddie, E-D-D-I-E at campsrealty.com.
1: Amazing. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eddie, for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you and uh, thanks for sharing uh, a lot of great insights about the Calgary market as well.
0: Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So, hey, Sarah, do you feel like investing in Calgary now?
1: I don't know, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm still on the fence. I do want to diversify out out of Ontario. I don't know if Calgary is exactly the, the area I will personally invest in. Um, you know, Edmonton is also a good opportunity, but it's interesting to see some of the pros that it has. I think, you know, it's it's on the table, but it's going to be a different type of investing where you're going to be going through a lot more, I think, cycles uh, of the yes. industry and a little bit faster. But there's nothing wrong with knowing that ahead of time and, uh, and diversifying. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, exactly. So if you can plan accordingly, and that's what Eddie Taught us, I think, is really knowing the scope, and I—that's something I wrote down—is knowing what can happen, how do you meet, mitigate those risks, and that's it. That that applies to any market, but Calgary as well—it's seen more boom and bust. so you need to be prepared. And anywhere where the tenants are maybe less protected than Ontario or Quebec or BC, uh, then it's, it tends to be a more transient population, and you need to be aware of it as an investor. So. Those Christmas gifts do come in handy and being nice to your tenants should be nice, but even more so in, in those provinces, I find.
1: Absolutely. And folks, don't forget to go to therightclub.com. Check out our online community and when we are having either virtual or in-person meetings at therightclub.com. Francois, what do we say to the Right Club Nation?
2: Customize your life and come grow with us.
1: Thanks very much. See you guys next week.
0: Cheers